The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You can not only learn from your mistakes, you can celebrate them. They define who you are and serve as a learning tool to become your most beautiful self ever. Welcome to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting with your host, Jim Stacy. Jim is the author of 11 books and is here to help you experience the power of the divine deep within yourself. It's inside you. You just have to know where and how to look for it. Now, here is Jim Stacy. And thank you again to all of our listeners for joining us today. I have a guest back with me again today. Some of you have requested uh, that you hear more from her. And Michelle Savaco from North Carolina, a New Thought Minister, is with me again today. Michelle, good, thank, good to have you back. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. First of all, let me tell the audience again where you can get a hold of me. Uh, again, I appreciate all of you who have sent your thoughts, your own personal struggles in various ways that I can support you, and I'm here to do that as best I can, so thank you for doing that. You can always get a hold of me, and uh, you'll hear the Gmail throughout the show, but the uh, Gmail address is the within us at gmail.com. Also, the website, www.thedivineiswithinus.com. So today... We're going to continue some of the thoughts that we were talking about a few weeks ago. And Michelle, we were talking then about the the title of the show, Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. And the question that you had come up with is, what are the various possibilities and choices between religion and whatever else is out there? Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about atheism and and religion, and that there's a whole lot of other choices besides atheism if one has left religion. And in that vein of thinking, I was thinking just the other day that, you know, if, if I had to believe in the God of the Bible, that Old Testament character, that uh, angry God up in the sky, I would be an atheist too, because I do not believe that that is real. And what you, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just agreeing. If, if that was my only choice, I wouldn't either. Okay, <laughs> I, good. I, I come from a space of where there are many choices, many options, um, some of them being different spiritual paths and uh-huh. other things, um, too. Okay. Well, good. And even if we disagreed on that, that'd be okay, too. <laughs> but oh, sure. What, some of my thoughts were something like this. Uh, and I've met people who say, no, I'm an atheist, and I believe there is no God. And, of course, I know a lot of people say, no, I believe there is one. And mm-hmm. the rage between sometimes the the religious people that is expressed towards those who say, I don't be- believe in that, is sometimes just, uh, well, it's just too, too angry and it's too harsh and a lot of other things. And I believe with all my heart that those kind of reactions come out of fear. Why do you think somebody should be afraid of an atheist? 
Well, I don't really see the need um, to be fearful unless somebody's threatening bodily harm or or something. Um, but I don't know. The, there's so many atheists that I've met that um, are atheists because they ended up being hurt very badly by whatever religion or mm-hmm. church that they had grown up in and just yes. really didn't realize that there were other choices. And usually the ones that I've come in contact with that are very secure in their belief, and and I say belief even though we're talking about atheists, and I'll get into that a little bit more in a minute, um, because the... Um, Anyway, I think they they feel more secure in that because they're not feeling threatened. But right. there, there's so many that I've talked to that have left the church, even if they're not saying that they're atheists. They've just left the church, and as soon as they hear that somebody is involved in a religious path or a, a uh, spiritual path, then immediately start thinking, oh, this person's out to try to get me to come back. Mm. or try to convert me, you know, right. or something like that. And immediately the defenses go up. And yes. as soon as we start coming from a place where mine's the right way, yours is the wrong way, or vice versa, rather than we're just different, mm-hmm. you know, then then you have those walls and people start to shut down. So it's really important to find things that we have in common. And yes. one of those things to me is, that we have beliefs, which I was said, said, you know, I was going to be touching on that because you asked me in conversation, what can we do besides choose another belief? Is there a, a choice? Mm-hmm. And my thoughts about that is that we can't actually be void of belief because the definition of belief is that we think something is true. Right. And I think all of us at some level think something is true. Uh-huh. And when I say that we believe, sometimes I think, and I do the same thing, I'll say, I believe such and such when I really mean I think, but I'm, uh-huh. but I'm substituting that word. And we kind of tend to use that synonymously. But I think that um, just for the fact that we are thinking, and that's mm-hmm. something to me that defines us as humans, you know, that, right. that we are thinkers. And, and that reminds me of, you know, what Descartes said, I, I think, therefore I am. Mm-hmm. So simply, a belief is something that we think about and we think is true, whether that's science or being a humanist or a particular spiritual path or whatever it is. I think when it comes right down to it, we all have some kind of a belief. What we don't have to do, though, is choose another deity or a person to follow or be a part of a religious movement. There's many things that we can believe in, such as, um, well, the first thing that came to my mind was I believe in love. I believe in the power of love. And, you know, there are people that will say, well, that's just so overused, or you can't really define what love is. Um, Then, you know, okay, maybe then compassion. And there's a lot of people that believe in science because it's 
fact-based, grounded in facts. But then so let me, can I, thinking, well, can I stop you there? How often do those facts change? Yeah. Yeah. You can know, I stop like you I there for a second? school that Pluto was a planet, and then all of a sudden it got demoted and wasn't a planet anymore. Right. So, um, you know, facts can still change too. But, you know, so when it, it comes down to it, I, I feel like, you know, because we are having this human experience and we are thinking people, when we believe that our thoughts are true, whether they are or not, if they're true for us, that's a belief. Okay. So can I interrupt you just for a second? Oh, certainly. Okay, I wasn't, wasn't sure you heard me advice. back then. Anyway, <laughs> so what I find is science also have beliefs and science also has fact, but sometimes scientists, and I've, I've read this and heard them talk about it, that what they say is up to this point we see this and we believe this is true. Uh-huh. But science, science also is always changing. And they're right. always learning more. So I apply the same thing to the spiritual dimension. And I like uh, the words you say to what I think. And so I try not to use the word belief at all anymore because what I try to say is, well, at this point in my life, I'm really quite sure of this. I'm even more certain of that, but there's a whole bunch of things I just don't know. Mm-hmm. But but I'm learning more. And well, and that, people yeah. really do have to use whatever, you know, terminology, whatever words um, they're comfortable with. Because a lot exactly. of times there's words that have been kind of pounded into people that when you start mentioning words like that, it, it sets off some kind of trigger. And, right. uh, you know, and again, immediately people will start shutting down with that. Um, but another example of, you know, whether you want to say thinking or believing, is that most of us have some kind of a value system. Exactly. And, and you know, and so to me, that that is something else that... Um, in, when you have a value, you believe that that particular thing is good and worthwhile, you know. So it, but it really depends on the person and and how they, you know, how belief works for them. And if belief doesn't work for them, it's like for heaven's sakes, whatever you're doing, if it doesn't work for you, do something different. Exactly. And essentially, that's what repent is, which it's got you know such a uh, that's one of those trigger things. Repent. When uh, in reality, <laughs> it just means if what you're doing isn't working, go in the other direction. Exactly. Oh, I like how you say that. I've, I've talked about that for years. It's like doing 180. I'm going this way. This is what I believe. This is what I know. This is what I think. But all of a sudden, we come across some new information, and we say, wait a minute. I need mm-hmm. to change change my thinking. And that's really all repenting uh, originally meant, is I'm going to change my thinking, I'm going to go this direction now, but I'm going to keep learning. What do you think of that? Yeah, change my thinking, change my actions, you know, do something different. Yes, yes. Something I want to ask you about, too, because sometimes I've challenged some atheists on this because I think that they get caught sometimes in their belief in nothing. And I've said to them, you know, my friends, to believe in nothing is a belief. So are you not just forming another kind of belief system by saying that? And what I go back to is uh, an atheist many years ago was 
quite well-known, a woman named Madeline Murray O'Hare. And she was hated by all the people of faith, but I think she had the most clear way of stating what she thought. And she said, I can't prove that there is, and I cannot prove that there isn't a God. But I'm willing to live my life and order my life as if there weren't any. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, you know, there's an honest person. Because she's not saying, oh, I'm basing my whole life on not believing. or on Hey, I do the same thing with electricity. Oh, okay. I have no idea how it works, how it exists or anything else. Uh-huh. But I'm still going to, you know, flip that switch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, so when, it, when you're talking about believing, though, it's like, I think my first question at this point would be, um, do you believe you exist? Mm-hmm. You know, when you say you don't believe in anything, do you believe you exist? Do you believe I exist? Do you believe we're all here on this planet right now? Mm-hmm. Because if nothing else, if you believe we exist, that's a belief. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And then that takes us, to me, kind of full circle back to that, I think, therefore, I am. Yes, yes. There's no person that can prove scientifically that there is a divine, is there God. There's no person that can prove that there's not one. And I like what somebody said years ago. I was listening to a recording on the talking to a group, and I said, to any atheist, I say this, how much do you know? And what I mean by that is how much do you know of all that there is to know, all scientific knowledge, all knowledge in the whole world? What percentage of total knowledge do you know? And, of course, you know where that's headed because what the, the answer, only answer can be is I know a very small percentage of the whole. So Yeah, usually th- my response, which... I uh, kind of borrowed from somebody else, but I have no idea who. But for years have been saying, I know just enough to know that I really don't know anything. Okay. And, and still- you know, even when you talk about science, how much of that is theory? Yes. They call it theories, even. Yeah. You know, Michelle, they- right now we're going to take time for a break, so hold that okay. thought, and we'll be right back in a couple minutes. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus was not a Christian. Available right now on Amazon.com. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles. And you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. 
Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to the divine is within us at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. So, Michelle, we're back again talking about this very interesting phenomenon of what we know, what we don't know, what we can prove, what we think we can prove, and the realm of what nobody knows very much about at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and we all find ourselves somewhere in that uh, scenario, and we choose our beliefs. But don't we also choose our quests? Well, everything we do is a choice, starting from you know the first thing in the morning when we open our eyes and decide if we're going to get out of bed or not. It, life is just one big choice. Right. So how do we fit ourselves into the quest for knowing more when we're surrounded by people who think they know a whole lot more than they really do? Well, um, I think education probably would be a good place to start. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, there, there are so many resources out there, especially with the Internet being available. Um, There's so much that we haven't been exposed to that now with Facebook and other social media and stuff like that, we're connecting with people from all over the globe. We're hearing about all sorts of things, um, you know, that are are going on. And... um, there's so many things to read, so many things to listen to, so many people to talk to. So, to me, it, you know, education is explore. Um, start and we can't with forget that. the local it's library. That, <laughs> what that the knowledge, even though you know everything that you end up learning in a lifetime might fit on the head of a pin, mm-hmm. um, there's still an empowerment. You know, the, there's a saying, with knowledge comes power, and, but it's not the kind of power where it's like, okay, you're going to use this knowledge and take control and have power over other people. It's one where you're empowered. Mm-hmm. So, for you personally, what is the quest look like, the quest to learn more, and how, what is your favorite way to learn more, if there is one? At this point, it's probably connecting with and talking to other people, um, other people from different cultures, different um, religions and faith paths, um, even to some degree different political views, although that can get a little hairy sometimes. Yeah, that's for <laughs> the, sure. <laughs> and finding the, the important thing to me at this point is finding those things that we have in common, and, and it has been my focus for many years now, in building relationships, building community on those commonalities, 
where um, you know we're we're all one. Mm-hmm. They whether you're looking at it scientifically or you're looking at it spiritually, they um, we are all one, and, and there is a, a oneness movement that um, that humanities team started um, over ten years ago now, and a, a global oneness day, and understanding that we have that connection with everybody and and with everything that it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be agreeing with everybody that we're going to like everybody and what they say and do it just means that we understand that we're all connected so that everything that we think feel say and do is affecting everybody there's this ripple effect because it's all energy and I think there's so much power in collective consciousness because yes. of that energy. And for anybody that's not comfortable with the idea of that, you know, well, this is coming from a spiritual perspective or something, they, um, I had done some research a while back because I spoke about this for um, services for Global Oneness Day and stuff. But according to the um, Genetic Literacy Project, that whether it's rice, reef coral, or a rhinoceros, we have 25% of the same genes. We're basically cousins with everything. They broke it down to fungi and everything, going back 1.6 billion years. So it's like, okay, if you don't believe this on a spiritual level, that we're all, you know, connected to the divine or the source, the universe, whatever you want to call it, then go ahead and look at it from the scientific standpoint. And, and you know, that's what science tells us. Mm-hmm. I find that to be a very, very important. And I, I t- totally applaud wh- what you're saying. And what I have found is that the less I talk and the more I listen, the more I learn. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're saying, too. And sometimes the greatest human struggle is to just shut up and listen or Go to the library and get a book or any other of the many ways that you mentioned that we have available today to be learning more. Mm-hmm. The quest, the quest for learning, the quest to know, that quest never ends, right? Well, yeah, for me, anyway, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, I don't think it'll ever end. It's not showing any signs of, you know, slackening <laughs> up here at all. But in, and when you talk about listening, um, as much trouble as you have getting a word in edgewise, once I start talking here, you're probably thinking, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, she's a good listener. Um <laughs> No, but that you know that that is one of the things. In fact, um, when I speak for a, a small new thought group in December and talking about gifts, I'm pointing out that the best gift that we can give to somebody is our time and to sit and to listen. To be fully present is a present. It's a present to you, and it's a present to the person that you're speaking with. And so often when we are in conversation with somebody else, we're sitting there trying to think of what it is that we want to respond rather than taking the time to sit there and just really take in what they're having to say. Yes. 
That, that happens so often. And we, we, we've both seen that. Well, all of you listening today, I'm sure that you have seen it as well. That the person who doesn't want to take in more information always has some pet ways to keep blocking and blocking and blocking. And sometimes they just simply run away. But, Michelle, I have seen, and I'm sure you have too, that so many times a faith or a belief system is what people use because they have a fear of not knowing something. And so they develop dogma or something they're certain about when they, they can't be certain about it at all. But the fear, of not, the fear of not knowing takes a lot of people to church. Would you agree? Well, yes, because there is, I mean, you can be in any kind of a relationship where, you know, that's inflicting emotional and or physical pain. And some people stay in those kind of relationships because there is a certain degree of comfortability in the known. And even though we know life is changed, change is constant, there's yes. still this fear of the unknown. And there's a lot of people I know that have stayed active or practiced their brand of religion out of fear. Um, the, you know, that have grown up with the idea of a punishing God. They, I, the God that I hear so many people describe sounds like it's bipolar. Yes. You know, and, oh, absolutely. And <laughs> absolutely. So, that and in the fear of Satan, in in it's like well, my understanding that is that Satan comes from the word Hasatan, which shows up in the Old Testament, meaning the accuser or the adversary. But it's used as a title for a being rather than a name of the being. It's you know anybody that's being your adversary or an accuser, not a particular entity. Yeah. And then there's a lot of people that have, you know, had and experienced fear, the, the rejection by family and friends and their church community. And those things can all keep you tethered, you know, whether you're really getting anything out of that experience or not. I remember back when my daughter was in high school, I had a conversation with one of her friends, and he was saying he didn't enjoy going to church anymore. He didn't believe what they taught any longer. So I asked him why he continued to go, and he said because he was afraid to do something different. He's like, even mm. though I don't really believe it and it really doesn't work for me, what if they're right? What if uh -huh. I am going to go to hell? You know, and stuff like that. Yeah, the and question, sorry, the question that I ask people when I hear that is, and what if they're not right? Let's, let's ask mm -hmm. all the ifs, all the what ifs. Let's not just ask one of them. And somehow, just in that way alone, it, it, I've seen it set people free because you have the power, you have the freedom, you have the intelligence, and you are a human being, and you have the right to keep asking, what if, what if, what if? And my favorite phrase, just before we take a break here, my favorite phrase is I like to say I wonder as I wander. Uh -huh. And that, that for me is I keep wandering around, wondering what's true. Right now it's time for a break. I know that's true, so we'll be right back with everybody.
the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus Was Not a Christian, available right now on Amazon.com. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles. And you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to thedivineiswithinus at gmail.com. Again, that's thedivineiswithinus at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. So, Michelle, you were talking about uh, the adversary for a minute. Let me just add a thought from the Aramaic, something I've been studying now for 15 years. And there's a word in the Aramaic that it just it blew my mind the first time I saw what was happening. The word is satana. And it's all lowercase, but if when people take the A off the end and capitalize the S, you see what they have. The whole idea of a Satan or a devil is an absolute fabrication, and it all comes out of fear. So you were talking about fear and staying in something and not asking questions. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Right. Well, in in my response to this young man was, you know, is this working for you? Because, you know, as long as it's working for you, then continue what you're doing. But if it's not you know, then do explore other things. Um, because it's like, you know, when you know that something is hurting people because they're excluding them, shunning them, or, you know, anything like that, I just don't see how that can work for anybody. But there are people that it does work for. And then that's where, you know, we mentioned earlier in the show about repent. To me, that's where that comes back in again. It's like, Okay, it's not working for you, then repent. Yes, you know, change. Do, do something different. And yes. I, I know that can be scary for people. I was fortunate to grow up in a family that was interfaith, interracial, intercultural, and had a lot of freedom to explore. And, but so many people that I've talked to have just, you know, really been tethered to something, even if they didn't really want to stay there. And then when they left, they felt like they had no choices. Right. You know, one of my favorite uh, people, uh, at least from the quotes that I've read, was the martial arts expert Bruce Lee many years ago. And 
My favorite thing that I've read from him is he said, to change with change is the changeless state. And I thought, wow. And he's absolutely right because everything is constantly changing. So if I change with change and just keep changing, I never have to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's where yep. if You're exploring with the changes. Yep. Yeah. Exploring without fear is what you were just talking about. And that's it. Don't, we don't have to fear change. Let it happen. Let's see what happens next. Let's learn more. Uh, that's what you're talking about, right? It is. And, it, you know, when so many people use the Bible as their main source of reference, and uh-huh. there are some places that you can go and research to see how many times the word appears in the Bible, and they'll say that fear in some form shows up 365 times. One for every day of the year. And I don't know how true it is. I've never sat down and counted it out for myself. But there is, you know, a lot of of scripture passages, which I know you know, that say not to fear. And yet so many people get controlled by fear. But they'll overlook the things like um, you had mentioned it at one point about Yeshua, you know, saying that we're gods. Uh And um, more often than not, what you hear people say is, I'm only human. Uh Nobody pays attention to these other things. You don't hear that, you know, talked about. How many churches have you been to or services have you been to where you hear that, you know, one of the passages for that week is, don't you know you're all gods? Uh Yes. And if people had been paying attention to, if if the church had been paying attention to what Yeshua, Jesus, really taught, they would understand that he never taught of any external God up in the sky. Never once did he say that. Rather, he said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And that's a metaphor. You know, It's a metaphor that says the divine lives, is living inside of you. You as a human being are the divine in human form. But people say, no, I'm just human, as you were talking about, because they've not been taught the truth. Right. Because anything like that that you would share with the average person might be too empowering. Mm -hmm. And a lot (laughs) of church, quote, church, is about control and fear. So you can't control and make people fearful if you're telling them that they're gods. And by the way, my understanding of the context that that's used in is that it was Elohim, which is the word for creator. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people can read that and say, oh, we are all creators. Don't you know you're all creators? Mm-hmm. Well, I say, so what? I'm not the creator myself, so somewhere along the line I got created, and I believe in a, a source of all life everywhere, and that's the first word of the Aramaic Lord's Prayer, the Avun, that Yeshua taught. He didn't say our Father. He said, O birthing one, mother and father of all life everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's a fascinating difference between you're weak, you're, you're powerless, you're sinful, and you need to be controlled because you're just human. And that's what brings people to being, as you said, afraid of empowerment. Can you talk a little bit more about that and connect it to what we're saying? Well, we're also told in Scripture that we're made in the image and likeness of God. 
Now, my mm-hmm. experience of it is that there's been a lot of men that try to create God in their image, but if we're made in the image and likeness of God, then that means that we are creators too. We have yes. the creative capability. We see that in the things that, you know, we invent, the, the little babies that we give birth to, we're constantly co-creating mm-hmm. and stuff because yeah. we have essentially the same properties, just as if we were all drops of water in a part of the ocean. You know, mm-hmm. we would have those same properties. But again, you know, when, it, when you look at that, how many people are, you know, constantly reminded we're made in the image and likeness of God? Mm-hmm. And they do not know what that means, correct? Right. They, what's ended up happening, I think, for, you know, to a big extent is that man, who I, you know, and I do believe that man wrote the Bible, Um, At their level of understanding and awareness at that time in that culture, you know, going back thousands of years now for other men. And so basically, whatever qualities they had, the things that they were doing, the way they would react to things, those are the things that they gave to God. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, when I was writing my first book, I still remember when I wrote the sentence, the Bible is not the word of God. I, I felt just a, a, a twinge of guilt. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> God, I know enough to know that the Bible, sure, there's some truth in it, but there's also some very scary things in it, too, that are not true because mm-hmm. it's, it's a human collection of writings. Would right, and as well as, you know, being scary, there's a lot of contradictions and, you know, yes. a, a lot of different things like that. The... Um, in fact, but I know also, of at least 120-some contradictions. I, I used that on a show a few weeks ago, talk about all the contradictions that are, pos- that are found in the, the Scriptures, for example. So mm-hmm. it's there. there. It's a human, human book. It expresses some good things, and it also expresses some very negative things that people have fabricated. So we're talking about how do we know and what is fear? And where do you think most fear comes from? We touched on it a little bit ago, but what uh, what do you think that means? Well, there's a, the you mean where does it originate? You know, for most people, it probably starts when they're children, and they're constantly told it's like comparing the Ten Commandments to the Beatitudes. You're uh-huh. you know as children. You're immature, so rather than being told what you should do and then what the consequences that'll be, you're told what not to do. And yes. most of what people were told not to do, you know, the, in the Jewish law, they had Ten Commandments that ended up morphing into 500 and something or 600 and something. It was like not possible to keep all of those laws. Yeah. 603 is what, <laughs> what I've heard, and that's why when the Pharisees came to Yeshua and said, oh, of all these laws, which one is the most important? They were trying to trap him, you know. Mm-hmm. But of course, he came back with love. Love the divine with all your heart. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. And love your enemies. And you said that a little while ago, that love is an experience that we cannot <clears throat> not just believe in. Love is something we can know. 
And I think it relates right here. When we love, we are stepping into connection with the divine. In fact, Jesus said later, <clears throat> when the Pharisees again came to him, said, how do I inherit eternal life? He repeated the greatest commandment. He said, if you go love people, love your neighbors, love your enemies, love yourself, you be the visible expression of love, and you will have eternal life. I thought, yep, see, love wow. is a verb. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. not just something that you believe or you you know think about. It's not a sedentary thing. It's, it's an action. It's a verb. Yeah. Yes. And love is much easier to believe in than it is to act out in in deeds. And Jesus said again, Yeshua said, "Don't love in deed in words only, but rather in deeds and in right. truth." And he said. To those followers, he said, do not call me this word Lord unless you are known for practicing the words that I've taught you. Well, and when you talk about that and putting the, um, you know, putting it into action, whether you call it love, whether you're more comfortable with being compassionate or whatever, another choice is to be a humanist. Yes. You know, focusing on humanity rather than the divine or something that's supernatural. Okay. Going back to, you know, do you believe I exist? Do you believe mm-hmm. you exist? If so, you can be a humanist. I'll tell you it what, Michelle. It stresses the potential, the value, the goodness of human beings. And, you know, and focus on the common human needs that we right. have. And right now, I'm going to have to interrupt again. It's time for another break before we go into our last segment. And we'll pick it up there and talk about humanism on another level. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus Was Not a Christian, available right now on Amazon.com. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles, and you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to thedivineiswithinus at gmail.com. Again, that's thedivineiswithinus at gmail.com. 
Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. So, Michelle, we have so much to talk about. My goodness, we found this true last time, and so we just had to do another show. But we have about eight or nine minutes left to this show today, and I would like to pick your brain further concerning what you were just talking about a minute ago, humanism, what that is, and how you see that as a viable choice for any human being. Well, I often refer to myself as a humanist theist, because I don't think that you necessarily have to be either or. I think you can do both things, you know, at the same time. And, um, you know, like people that are advocates and allies for um, equality and helping with issues of homelessness and hunger, um, that's all part of being a humanist to me. And because, yes. like I said, to me, a humanist stresses the, the potential value and goodness of human beings. That's what the focus is. And the emphasis is put on our common human needs. And so that's one of the reasons I was saying that what I, I try to focus on with people when I meet people um, is what are our commonalities. You know, and look for those things. It's kind of like, I'll meet you where you are, you meet me where I am, and then together we can start to build relationship and community. And usually you can find that, you know, do you want all your children to be educated? Do you want people to have shelter? Do you want people to be warm? And, you know, there's a surprising number of people that will, you know, say, well, as long as I don't have to pay for it. But there are many people, many humanists, you know, that do that. So to me, that is a um, another choice to make rather than having some kind of religion or spiritual path. But it's also a belief to me. It's the belief in humanity. Yes. And my thoughts on that are, are simply this. If we truly understand what Yeshua taught, that the divine is within us, that every time we're talking to another human being, there is a sense in which we're talking to someone, to, to part of the divine, because that someone is just as much the divine within them as it is within me. It depends on our realization of that, and how we've come to know that, and how we're cultivating that. But for those who say, oh, you're just human, they're missing the most important part of what humanity can know, and that is we are the divine in human form. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but sometimes I have to. (laughs) Go ahead with what you're saying. No, that's okay. Yeah, no, my, you know, in my path, we believe that we are spiritual beings having human experience, but it doesn't serve us very well to be so focused on just being spiritual and evolving and ascending that we don't embrace this human experience. And, um, you know, and I think uh, Jesus was the uh, model being fully human in in his experience and stuff. I, I I'm glad you said that because one of the real how should I say one of the really serious errors that the church has made is they made Jesus into this second part of an all male trinity that he was God in the flesh and well so are we all of us are. And Jesus was no more divine 
than any of us are. He was more enlightened. His training was different. He was more aware. He was more conscious. But he was not the second part of an all-male trinity, which is a fabrication of theology. Mm-hmm. And how do you see that in your new thought ministry? Um, to me, he just fully expressed our potential. You know, that, that we're still definitely works in progress. And we look to him as, as the example of somebody that, you know, fully expressed that uh, divine potential that's there for all of us. Divine potential. Talk to me a little bit more about that, if you can. Well, we think that we, you know, just as using, going back to that John ten thirty four, don't you know that you are God's? He told us that we had that same capability, that we could also move mountains. We may not be able to do that with our hands, but we've built machinery that can move the mountains, you know. Mm-hmm. And right. um, we have, to me, unlimited potential and possibility to tap into. Yes. And he's our example of, of what that would look like in terms of the things that he taught and what he modeled. And he said very clearly, the things that I do, you also are, will be able to do. And, and greater. And, yes. And greater things than I do. And I, said, I asked one preacher one time, I said, tell me, what have you done that's greater than what Jesus did? And he sat there with the dumbest look on his face. And I said, <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, but... I have to ask that question, <laughs> and and we have to. We cannot get stuck in just the belief and running beliefs around and around in our head. We have to someday wake up. Because I asked him the same one. Said, you talk about faith and moving mountains. I said, if you could move a mountain, who would you dump it on? And, <laughs> and again, mm-hmm. it was like... Well, and, and to me, so oftentimes the um, the question is more important, really, than the answer is. Yes, yes, yes. P- pondering a question, I always feel I learn more by just keep pondering and learning and learning. Mm-hmm. Well, show we have about three minutes left here, so I want to ask you first of all. I forgot to ask you contact information, and then I want to ask you uh, what thoughts you want to leave with the audience today. So, how would people contact you? Uh, my contact information would be uh, com, or you can find me on Facebook. It's just Michelle Savacco. It's Michelle with one L, and my last name spelled S-E-V-A-C-K-O. Okay. So people could feel free to, to call or contact you and ask you further uh, for further information on anything we've talked about today, right? Mm-hmm. Good. Okay, so in the two or three minutes we have left, what thought would you say is most important that you would like to leave with the audience today? Probably to fear not. You know, to, to step out and, and let go of any fears there are. And, um, because it, it's just so confining to be bound by fear. It's just like, um, you know, being tethered to something and, and read and talk to people. And that's how you get empowered. And to me, being empowered is, is a wonderful thing because we were all created with free will. 
That means you get to make your own choices. And, of course, you have to understand that with every choice that there's a, a consequence. But you have that freedom of choice, what you're going to think about, what you're going to believe. If you're not going to believe it, don't accept what people say just on blind faith. Explore. Do your own research. And have your own experiences. And I say it's also good to keep a log of that if you can. Keep a, a written log, if you like, of your personal experiences and keep tracking yourself as you learn and as you grow. I really like how you said that, Michelle, and we're going to have to close here in less than a minute, so I want to thank you for being on the show again today. Oh, thank wanna, you. You're welcome. So perhaps we can do it again someday. So let's keep learning and let's keep growing. So my words to all of you out there, never live in smallness. Never live in less than your most beautiful self. Never, ever accept somebody else's definitions of who you are. Because you, my friends, are never stuck in any situation ever at any time. You're not stuck. You're alive and you can live. So exercise that power of choice and become your most beautiful self. That's all the time we have for today. I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the program today. Please join Jim Stacy for another edition of Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting, next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This week, let the divine work for you and with you. You're bound to experience a new life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.